How do you keep your team motivated when the work never ends? Welcome to Leading Generous Teams, a podcast dedicated to making leadership easier. We bring you insights from leaders who are having an impact, even when resources are stretched, resilience is constantly tested, and the social issues and opportunities are never ending. I'm your host, Claire Dezira from the Top 5 Movement. We're a team of award-winning coaches with a vision to support generous leaders to have a bigger impact. Our expertise lies in the practical application of neuroscience for sustainable behaviour change in the workplace. And we're so glad you're here. Hello, hello, and welcome to another series of the Leading Generous Teams podcast. Today, if you can actually believe me, we are kicking off the podcast with somebody whose name translates to generous, and that is Nada Nasser from Mission Australia. Nada tells us that in Arabic, her name actually means generous, so we could not kick off the season in any other way, and we're so pleased to be chatting with Nada today. Nada is Mission Australia's State Director for New South Wales, ACT and Victoria, And a part of this work is all around leading homelessness, child, youth and family, employment, mental health, alcohol and other drugs, strengthening communities and other community services. Prior to joining Mission Australia, Nada held senior roles in human services in the government and also not-for-profit sectors. Nada has led programs and partnerships, policy and strategy and system reform. And we meet Nada today in her role at Mission Australia, where she leads an enormous team. So let's kick off this conversation with our generous leader today, Nada Nasser from Mission Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Nada. Oh, hi, Claire. Great to be with you. Oh, it's so terrific to have you. And I want to say a big thank you for joining us from your holidays and your adventures with slime (laughs) and grandchildren. (laughs) Yeah, we had we had a lot of fun yesterday making slime. I'm sure you did. I wish I could have been there, but I'm I'm so glad you could join us and just pop your leadership hat on just for a moment. But I know these topics that we're chatting about today are really um, ones that are dear to you. So hopefully we can add to your holiday rather than take away from it. Nada, tell me your. Uh, would love to dive in and hear a little bit about what you're most loving about leading your team there at Mission Australia at the moment and also what you're finding most challenging. Claire, what I really love uh, about uh, my work at Mission Australia is um, leading such a diverse team and uh, a team that's uh, dispersed through New South Wales, Victoria um, and a small team in the ACT. And I really love uh, learning from uh, their their wonderful diversity. They all come from different communities, different cultural backgrounds uh, and have such a depth of lived experience. So really the highlight of my job is connecting with my teams in their spaces and hearing their perspectives, uh, hearing about the work that they do uh, and the difference that they make. Whether it's uh, finding a, a home for someone who's been homeless or seeing a person who's transitioning uh, out of supported housing to independent living, 
um, and and seeing them flourishing, uh, or whether it's uh, you know maybe a young person who's overcoming addiction, uh, or supporting a woman escaping a violent relationship. Uh, all of these, um, you know, hearing about these stories uh, and seeing the reports and the data that shows the difference that my teams make and the difference our organisation uh, is making uh, is really the the highlight of of my job. Um, but sometimes also uh, the thing that I find uh, the most uh, rewarding is also the thing that I find most challenging. With all of the wonderful work our teams at Mission Australia do, I also hear of many stories about people, uh, families and communities where uh, there is so much fracture and so much system failure because uh, there's not enough focus on prevention, early intervention. So when I hear about whether it's an eight-year-old who's already on the path to crime or a, a, to- a 12-year-old already um, in, in the, you know, involved in drug addiction or a, a, a person who's stuck in homelessness because you know, she, she can't find, there's not enough social housing for her, um, that's tough. So I find that challenging because as a human service system, you know, we, we should do better. So my job in leading my teams uh, through these challenges is to really help us uh, as a team to stay focused on what's in our control. Uh, how can we influence the system? Uh, how can we partner, uh, you know, with, with others to harness our collective power? Um, and what boundaries can we push and what can we change or innovate? So uh, as a leader, my role is to help our teams to stay hopeful that despite all of these um, system failures that, that we can, there are some things within our control to uh, contribute to making this a better system. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I can't imagine how that must feel on some days when it just simply feels like the work is never actually going to end. Um, tell me, you've talked about giving your team hope and that that's one of your roles is to be able to lead them with that lens of hope even through these days where you just probably feel like you're banging your head up against the wall with system failure. And I'm just wondering right now, many teams are still shaking off that fatigue from the last couple of years and navigating changes as your team does every day what what do you do to help their mindset and resilience and to keep bringing that hope to them well you know Claire absolutely the last two years have really tested us all um and uh, what really helped us as an organisation uh, at Mission Australia is that we do have a strong commitment to wellbeing uh, and we, have, uh, we, we take our uh, value of compassion really seriously uh, and, uh, you know, all of our leaders from the CEO down regularly remind our teams um, that, you know, compassion to, uh, you know, for, for, um, is really important and that's, that's a value that's really important to us. Whether that's, uh, you know, caring for our clients, caring for our colleagues, caring for ourselves, uh, one doesn't work without the other. So it's that sort of care balance that's really important. Um, in, in the last uh, couple of years, through the pandemic, we implemented a number of measures uh, to support our staff, you know, things like extra leave, uh, more flexible work arrangements, uh, and more active promotion of uh, EAP and chaplaincy. So all of these, you know, across the organisation have been really important uh, strategies. Uh, and my leadership team and I have also invested a lot of time in, uh, you know, a lot of time and energy in nurturing resilience, but recognising that resilience is a double-edged sword. Uh, 
So I want my teams to be resilient so they can uh, have a healthy work-life balance, uh, so they can adapt to change, uh, deal with ambiguity, and to stay hopeful, uh, as I talked earlier, when supporting individuals, families, uh, and communities with significant trauma or fracture. But I also uh, don't... um, don't ever want uh, anyone in my team to feel uh, uh, like being to feel as uh, being resilient means uh, they can't show weakness or uh, say they can't cope or that they're overwhelmed. Um, so I've done a fair bit of work with my team, uh, my leadership team in particular, on the work of Brene Brown to reinforce the importance of vulnerability and that uh, there is no courage without it. And at a practical level, um, as soon as restrictions lifted, uh, the the COVID restrictions lifted, uh, I prioritise getting out to visit my teams. Uh, Face-to-face connection is really important. And I think the, the, you know, the pandemic has really highlighted how important that is uh, for us all. Um, So, yeah, that connection is really important, uh, as is hearing firsthand about how teams coped, how they rallied together, how they supported each other. And it was really wonderful to hear how teams did that um, and continue to do that. Um, I've also carved out time for uh, leadership development uh, and reflection to share ideas, to discuss challenges and keep building our team's uh, leadership toolkit. Uh, for example, you know, we have had facilitated sessions through the top five team, uh, your team, Claire, uh, as well as, um, you know, other facilitators to work on practical strategies for mindset, resilience and well-being. And uh, as leaders, it's really important that we uh, lead by example. So that's, uh, you know, for me as a personal strategy, it's really important. Um, You can't suggest to your teams that they take breaks uh, when they never do, um, you know, take their own leave. Or uh, you can't be talking about work-life balance when you're, as a leader, sending emails on weekends that are not absolutely urgent. So I think it's really important that leading by example, that, uh, that my own well-being is important and that I do care about the well-being of my team. Um, the other thing is over the last, um, uh, you know, over the past year, we've developed a regular program of the facilitated workshops for our leaders, as I, as I mentioned. Um, and these have really helped our teams to stay focused on our workplace culture, uh, our mindset and resilience. Uh, and they keep the topic front of mind uh, for our leaders and equip our leaders to support uh, their teams. But also recognising that um, uh, building mindset resilience and mental health is not a one-size-fits-all, that we recognise the diversity of our teams uh, and their dispersed locations. You know, what works uh, in Sydney may not necessarily work in Walgett or in Dandenong. So, we give our leaders the scope to develop local well-being strategies um, and strategies that work with them and strategies that they develop uh, in, in discussion, in consultation with their teams so that they are deciding uh, where they're at and uh, how, what would help them to, uh, to you know, stay connected, to build their resilience and their well-being. You know, they've done things like you know, team yoga or whether it's a regular team development day or enjoying coffee with a chaplain. These are various strategies that different our teams in our, our sites use. Oh, thanks, Nada. So brilliant. And I, I really love that point around, oh, I just love so many of the points that you've made, but just that point around it's not a one size fits all. Mm. The other thing I wanted to touch on was 
that idea that you've talked about resilience is a double-edged sword and we see this in our work too and we see it also even around the word passion you know passion is a bit of a bit of a double-edged sword because people it's you know it's so important for people to be really passionate about the work that they're doing but when that is overplayed, it can lead to really poor boundaries or people feeling like they need to say yes to everything if they're really passionate about things and they need to say yes to things rather than having the conversations they need to and putting the boundaries in place as well. Um, And I think also often we see when people are really driven by that passion, they can put everything into their work um, and leave nothing for what's outside, which really we want people's work a life outside of work to be filled with things that are going to be fueling them for their own lives, but also so they can recharge and, and come back as well to their work. Another, the other thing I wanted to touch base on what there was around the idea that, that it's not a one size fits all. And we see this, of course, through our work as well. When we're working with people around mindset and resilience and leadership, leadership in particular, because people when they're moving into leadership roles, they're bringing so much different experience, so many different levels of experience and levels of training as well. And so to run a leadership course or to work with somebody on leadership, it's really different for every single person. Mm. And so we find that often we could be working with a group of leaders where one is working on speaking up and presenting and and really getting clear on how to use their voice better while someone else is setting, working on a goal around their boundaries and somebody else might be working on goals around um, perhaps sharing their wisdom more or courage or difficult conversations and what it is that everybody needs even in in a leadership program or when you're working with people that level is is certainly also not a one-size-fits-all so I love that you take that approach and and you provide space for tailoring. Yeah thanks and and I know the workshops we've done with you Claire uh, it it provides a lot of space for uh, individuals even within that workshop to develop their own what matters to them and their own you know strategies as well so uh, yeah that's that's really important that providing that broad framework um, and a space for that development and thinking but provide within that allowing for uh, individuals to come up with their own um, you know what matters to them their own strategies yeah, yeah to build their own resilience yeah absolutely yeah absolutely we make we I mean we make sure we do that because what we talk about you know we talk about neuroscience and the practical application of neuroscience in the workplace and because we're talking about our brain there's a lot of things that people have heard before Mm. and so we always set that challenge at the start of our workshops this is not about you know, a right or wrong here or a good job for us is not about sharing something that you may have never heard before. It's actually Mm. about creating that space to slow down so you can go faster. So you can take the take the science and actually make it meaningful right now because Mm. we know with behavior change you can spark that motivation and interest but if you're just if it's one way loading people up on information and then leaving them with a DIY then go away and think about how you apply it yeah we all know too well especially working in roles like yours and for you and your team that there's often going to be something that feels like a higher priority as well. So, yes, yeah, we love yeah, to absolutely. create that space and practical application mm. as well. Um, Nada, I'd love to switch gears and, and ask you a little bit about your own uh, coping strategies, if you like, or, or practical tips that that you do to be, uh, fuel your own mindset and resilience and energy because 
you've had decades of working in social justice, you know, that particular focus around ending homelessness and partnering with many organisations for individual community and family outcomes. And I can't imagine the amount of energy that must have taken uh, the last couple of years, let alone all of the other years as well. <laughs> so tell us, what do you, what do you do to keep going? Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting talking about uh, passion earlier because, uh, you know, really one of my, um, you know, the top things for me in terms of, uh, you know, keeping my energy uh, and my resilience uh, and staying focused on the work, what we do is is really staying true to my purpose. Um, you know, for me, uh, my passion for social justice really energizes me and, uh, you know, nothing saps my energy more than being consumed in work that's uh, not contributing to that purpose. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from sociologist Margaret Mead, uh, which is a well-known quote that I, I know many people already know. It's uh, never underestimate that a small group of committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. In the start of my career, I had that actually on my notice board, and it was one of those constant reminders about um, you know my purpose and my commitment to social justice. But also, you know, talking about the, the that that can also be, in itself be a double-edged sword because also one of my biggest challenges has been containing and pacing that that, that passion um, and reminding myself that while you know I haven't changed the world uh, but that you know my contributions matter those small contributions matter uh, it's it's a bit like I'm constantly reminding myself to slow down to go faster actually and something I learned from from Euclid uh, and and that's really important that that passion uh, to to um, you know contribute to social justice is energizing but in the face of so much so many social justice challenges in the industry we work in it's really important that we do uh, pace ourselves and focus on what's in our control um, and and you know to, to make, make sure that we do maintain those boundaries the other um, really important uh, one for me is um, celebrating the small wins uh, so making time to hear about and read the client stories. I mean, I get those client stories coming through. And then also every time I meet with my teams, I hear about the work that they do, whether it's how they've supported a woman and children escape domestic violence or how they've helped a parent's next client, um, you know, complete her training, um, how they've supported a, someone who's been living with a mental illness to, you know, transition to living independently. Th those sorts of stories are really important. Um, you know, they may be small wins for my team, but they are absolutely massive wins for the individuals and families, um, and, you know, that they are life changing for them. So that's a really important, um, you know, a really important way of um, maintaining my level of energy and resilience is just to remind myself and ourselves as a team of those wins. Um, at a personal level, I also like to remind myself of my top five. You know, I learned that from you too. It's a, it's a really important habit uh, in terms of remembering the the you know the, the top the top wins, the top five that I'm grateful for every day. You know, definitely making slime yesterday was one of my top five. <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and I think the other thing is uh, my daily walks actually are really important and they're non-negotiable because um, that, especially with working from home, um, I find that, and I tend to do that at the end of the workday, uh, it's really important for me to uh, separate work and life. 
and get you know start my my evening uh and also it's a time i reflect on my top five i reflect on the what you know what i did in the day but i i you know i tend not to spend too much of my walk doing that i sort of do that at the beginning of the walk and then okay let's move on to what's going to be my plan for the rest of the evening uh it's so that's really important you know uh, as a as way as um uh, you know, a, a strategy for me that keeps me energized. Mm, incredible. Thank you. I love, again, you've talked about hope earlier and that part of your role is around supporting your team to remember and, and anchor in, I guess, to that feeling of hope. And I love that you've shared around how you anchor into those stories that you hear as well and place a lot of importance on those to to fuel that passion. So many practical tips there, Nada. I'm really enjoying this. And I wanted to shift now, you know, the work that we do, and you know this as well, is it's there's so much around what we're doing um, to create change, but we place so much more importance actually in the work that we do around what people are thinking to drive that change. And the place that we really play there is around equipping people with tools to really fuel a helpful, encouraging and productive mindset or a a HEP mindset, some of our clients like to say. And so I guess with this thinking perspective um, in mind or a thinking hat on, what what do you think a few helpful thoughts that young people, young leaders or other leaders could really anchor into right now? I think what I've, I guess I've learned over the years is, um, uh, oh, look, there's so many, uh, I guess, in response to this question, but uh, the things that come top of mind, uh, one is, um, you know, pick your battles is really important, like pace yourself and pick your battles because in, a, in our industry, um, there is so much good work we can do and there is so much we can change, there's so much we can influence, but it's really important to pick the, the you know, be, stay focused on the, the most important things. Um, you know, keep, keep the main thing as the main thing, as one of my, one of my leaders actually reminds me. Um, that's and that's really important. Uh, the other thing is um, that collaboration that we are we're not whether it's internal within an organization or externally with other partners that is really I think for me that is one of the most important things uh, because it's you know we're not we're not in this alone this industry is a people industry and um, it's about uh, yeah it's about how we work together how we support each other uh, and how we celebrate our collab our joint wins uh, it's it's you know it's not about a competition it's actually about collaboration and how we work together to achieve those common common outcomes for for the people we, we're serving and supporting um, and, and I think the last thing is I know we talked about this already is that work-life balance is those boundaries you're actually not good to anyone unless you are good to yourself um, you've got to look after yourself uh, to maintain your energy to nurture your mindset to keep developing as a human being as a person uh, I know for myself I'm constantly investing in my own development whether it's attending you know courses conferences learning listening to podcasts reading uh, it's really important that you uh, continue to nurture your own development uh, but also you know uh, maintain those boundaries around work and life and um, and you know make time to you know make time for for life and family and fun 
Yeah, terrific. And I, I'd imagine that having that quote from as a young professional, that Margaret Mead quote around has really given you that chance to practice that idea, you know, practice that thought around a small group of citizens can can change the world and change yeah. things. Yeah. Um, having that post-it note up or having that quote up has given you a chance to really practice that over the years. And so it's not surprising then that when you practice that, you believe in it more, which is then also why you talk to and, and work with such a strength around collaboration now as well. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I believe that we like we reach for those practice thoughts, mm. those things that we practice are the things that we really believe in, which actually behind the scenes drive our actions as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting to see how that, that show, shines through through your work. Yeah. Uh, Nada, looking over the last couple of years, what what lessons will you take forward from this weird and wonderful time? Oh, it certainly has been a weird, weird and wonderful time, hasn't it, uh, Claire? It's uh, look, I think one of the the biggest things that I take away from it is really respecting um, in our belief in our ability as a sector. I, I really, I think. Uh, um, you know, as a community, as leaders, we've really adapted, pivoted and collaborated in, in such an amazing way in the last couple of years. I mean, I've always believed in it, but I think the last couple of years have really highlighted how well we've worked together as a sector and how we really rose to that challenge. Um, uh, you know, there are uh, su such a great deal of innovation and collaboration in our organisation and our sector um, as we sort of focused on keeping our clients and our colleagues and our community safe. So there's just so, so many wonderful examples um, in that in over the last couple of years that have been really inspiring uh, to see how, you know, I mean, overnight uh, we moved, um, you know, so, I mean, you know, like we deliver about 260 services in New South Wales and Victoria, about 460 across the country. But as a sector overall, I mean, we had to pivot the delivery model just overnight. Um, and it's really uh, all inspiring how well as a sector we did that. So it's sort of, uh, you know, a belief that, hey, we are such an adaptable, resilient um, sector and, and a belief in that. Um, we're also now, you know, all, you know, teams and Zooms experts and we advance so much in the use of technology. So that's been great. And we need to continue to harness technology. So I think also I'm a great believer in uh, the use of technology and the capabilities in technology that are yet to be really fully realised, I think, in our industry. Seeing the value of technology and uh, and what more we can do with technology to uh to, you know, to deliver more uh, practical, innovative, um, uh, accessible services to to the communities we support, um, but also realizing that what's possible. Uh, uh, and what's not possible virtually. So, you, you know, you can achieve connection virtually but within limits. Uh, I've also really become to even more value the, the power of face-to-face -face, um, interaction and connection and how much that matters. Uh, and so we need to make time for that and uh, to make time for for you know, for, to create those spaces. I know in community development terms, they're referred to as bumping places. You know, those bumping places when you bump into people at the water cooler and have a, 
conversation uh, where, you know, while making a cup of tea or in the boardroom, um, you know, or in the community as you, you know, organising those community barbecues that give people an opportunity to come together. And it's actually that connection is when people may, you know, ask for help from somebody or might make a collaboration connection or, uh, you know, build a, a, a collaborative relationship. So, those bumping places are really important. And, yes, you can do those virtually, but the power of face-to-face connection is, is really important. So they're probably my biggest takeaways from the last uh, couple of years. Thank you, Nada. And I love the way you talk about the sector, you know, those reminders about the sector being more ad- adaptable and resilient as well and where you can take that in forward in the future. Um Nada, we love working with generous leaders like yourself and and your team, huge team of leaders. Um, I was just wondering, when you reflect over your decades in this space, who have you really loved working with? Who springs to mind for you as a generous leader? Uh, Look, Claire, honestly, I have been so lucky to have had so many generous uh, leaders throughout my career, Um, uh, you know, know, I've had many uh, people leaders and supervisors and managers uh, who have learned so much from and I continue to learn uh, so much from them. Each has taught me something different uh, and I've really I've, I've really cherished that um, and, and really value that. And I, I also work really hard to pay it forward uh, to make sure that I'm also being a generous leader to the people that I'm leading and, and uh, make sure I'm sharing that wisdom that others have shared with me, uh, you know, uh, over the years. Uh, but look, honestly, I, you know, uh, I think one of my first job as a people leader, that was many, many years ago, I won't tell you how many years ago that was, um, <laughs> I, you know, I went to my manager and said, oh, look, I'm, you know, I'm now actually managing. And it was, it, I had one person reporting to me and I was now a people leader. And, you know, can you give me any, any insights, any wisdom? What can you share with me? And she gave me a book, her name was Paula, and she gave me a book um, called Leading with Heart. And um, I honestly can't even remember the author of that book. It was a, you know, a small book. But I remember thinking, well, what does that have to do with achieving organisational outcomes? You know, really what, you know, I, I couldn't really see that connection. But as I matured as a leader, I've realised that leadership is a, a constant, you know, dance between heart and mind um, and that the two uh, just uh, have to go hand in hand um, and they have to be in tune with each other. So I, I've really cherished that um, that learning from Paula because it's without you know compassion to the people you you work with and you lead and seeing them as human beings with um, their own lives with their own challenges with their own celebrations um, that 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 for me often comes first and it's that that leads to um, you know a, a uh, helping people to thrive in their workplace because you're you're starting from that heart connection. Uh, so I've, I've really valued that that lesson uh, over the years, um, and I think I became to really appreciate it more and more as I became more mature as a leader. Um, 
Uh, I think the other leaders that come to mind are the, you know, 80 or so uh, people leaders in my team, actually, who, you know, have demonstrated so much courage, resilience and growth mindset as as we went through the toughest period our industry has ever seen uh, or globally we've seen as a community in the last couple of years. So my team of leaders really inspire me. I mean, they inspire me every day, every time I, I talk to them about the wonderful things that they're doing to support their communities, to support their teams, uh, to keep trying new things, to innovate, uh, to try different partnerships, to collaborate. So, yeah, they inspire me as well. So I, I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And I, beautiful words around leadership and being that constant dance between the heart and the mind. I will be keeping that in mind as I go about the rest of my day, Nada. But look, you've talked a little bit about the the opportunity that comes with that that adaptability and resilience that the sector has. And we've seen firsthand how you unlock that with your team and support and nurture your team and only wish more and more people throughout their careers could cross paths and have the opportunity to work with a leader such as you, Nada. You are absolutely hands down the definition um, of a generous leader. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and insights today. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been great to be with you. What an incredible force, Nada Nasa. As I mentioned earlier, her name actually means generous in Arabic. So absolutely generous by name, generous by nature. And I'm sure after listening to this conversation, you can see why we really wanted to kick the the series off with this episode. We're going to be dropping new episodes every week. We're chatting to some incredible leaders, uh, leaders from Greenpeace, the World Wildlife Fund, Australian Red Cross, uh, B Corp Bank Australia, uh, and many, many more this season. So please stay tuned and we'll see you again next week. As we wrap, if you're ready for a refreshing take on mindset, resilience and leadership training, then sign on up to our newsletter over at top5movement.com forward slash tools. When you join us, you'll get access to our free resources, episode summaries and exclusive events where we bring generous leaders together. We'll share the links in the show notes. Hey, I'd also like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation from the country where this podcast is produced and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks again for listening to the Leading Generous Teams podcast. We've loved having you here. Have a cracking day. Hold up. 